Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of It's Too Wordy, the comic book podcast where three buddies discuss comics from their childhood and today. I'm Kirk. I'm Ryan. And I'm Nick. We're going live this week, baby. How are we feeling about this? No editing. It's kind of scary. It's really scary. But yep. I think we'll be fine. I mean, we've done this long enough that we should be fine on it. We should be. So this week, uh, we are on the letter N. And then for our new book, we did, is it Ghostbusters Year One, number four? Correct. Okay, so let's get started. Um, I'll go first. I decided to do... New Mutants number 16 from 1984. Um, the White Queen has taken the New Mutants uh, prisoners. Um, Sam and Amara blind the guards and cause a small quake which severs power lines and kills the lights, allowing the New Mutants to flee the room. The New Mutants split up. Sam and Amara go to destroy the main power generator. Ileana and Danny disguise themselves as Hellfire guards. Berto and Rain go looking for Kitty Pride, And each group gets attacked by Hellions. Thunderbird, a.k.a. James Proudstar, a.k.a. Warpath, and Roulette, K.O., Berto, and Rain, Ileana and Danny get jumped by Cat's Eye and Tarot, and Cal- Cannonball and Magma trash Empath and Jetstream. Then the White Queen steps in, easily dominates everybody, and um, all but Ileana who grabs Danny and teleports to Limbo. This issue is important because it is the first appearance of Warpath, James Proudstar. And I just decided to do this one because it's one of my favorite books because it's Hellions versus New Mutants. And, um, yeah, it's the first appearance of Warpath, who's one of my one of my favorites. So that's what I had this week. Is that with the iconic cover on it, Kirk? Or he's kind of like running, or is that issue 100 where he's kind of like running from the blue towards the front? That's issue 100. This is um, the Hellions and the New Mutants fighting in the Hellfire Club headquarters. Okay. Okay. So that's what I had. Awesome. Nick, would you like to go next? Sure. Um, I have been trying to read this book for about six months, or maybe about a year, and I finally got halfway done. It was Night Mask number two from the New Universe Marvel, 1986. It is, yeah, if you want to talk about too wordy, this, this book is like nonstop, like 30-minute read. So I got halfway done, and then I decided I was just going to skip over to figure out what the hell was going on, and I still can't figure out what the hell is going on. So 
after the first issue where he realizes that he has powers and he can go into people's dreams and affect them, he gets hired on by his doctor to help people cope with their psychoses. And his sister comes along because she's the only one who can bring him out of his dream state. And he's helping this guy who's about to become, like, get an award from the President of the United States. But this is when getting an award from the President actually mattered. Um, <laughs> so he's helping this guy. And in his dream, he's always like this little kid running away from monsters with no faces. And it ends up that he killed a kid when he was younger and is constantly running from the fear of being caught from it. It's, it's really cool concept, like going into somebody's brain at, when they're sleeping and helping them with their problems. It's a very unique book and I recommend somebody going out and getting it. I mean, it's, it's a quarter box book, maybe a dollar book box now. Yeah, I'd recommend getting it. I mean, there's only 12 issues. I mean, Check it out. It's probably the best of all of the new universe that came out that I, that I found so far. That's good to know. I've got all of them but number nine, so I'll have to check that out. But it seems like with all those new universe, even that DP7 from last week even, they do have – they are very talkative in that. <laughs> very talkative. It was like a requirement. We don't care what the art looks like, but you have to talk a lot. Yep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think that was a, a prereq. Like you have to write a book before you can write this book. You know. What was the other one you did with the? Um... Oh, I did Merc, and I did Star. Oh man, Star Brand. Star Brand. That's who I was thinking of. Yeah, the third generation knockoff Jared. of Green Lantern. <laughs> All I could yeah. picture was JRGR's like face flying at from like yeah. the remake. I'm like, oh no, that's not it. What is it? Um, <laughs> all right, cool. So I went into a realm that I have never done before. Uh, I did Negan Lives, that just came out this last week. I have never read a Walking Dead book before. So this was uh, my first foray into it. Uh, never even really watched the TV series. I watched like the first six episodes. I'm like, yeah, this isn't for me. Um, you made it further than I did. <laughs> I I just don't. I'm not a big zombie horror fan kind of guy, and uh, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to give this a shot. I knew who the character Negan was because you saw saw him like all over the place with uh, the bat. Lucy is it Lucy or Lucille or whatever? And um, so I'm like, okay, well we'll give it a shot, see how that works, and. This is really interesting because it kind of picks up where uh, apparently, because in the back of it, Robert Kirkman wrote a quick synopsis of what he was shooting for with this. And um, he apparently in the comic at one point um, between a couple of issues, let's see, between issues 174 and 193, um, something happens and he's got to go back to resolve the issue. So this was leading into the things that took place 
in issues one in issue one seventy four, and the end result is what happens in issue one ninety three. Um, so it's kind of like a. This is why he's doing it, and then you see the end result if you read that whole series. Apparently, um, it was really interesting. The art's beautiful, um, and it just gives you the clue that Negan's very lonerish. He doesn't want to be involved with a lot of people. He got kicked out of a group um, because of, uh, you know, not following exactly what they want to do, and some individuals try to jump him, and how he took care of it, and how he decided that he needed to go and take care of this issue that takes place in the other Walking Dead stuff. So, uh, for a one-shot, it was enough to give you an idea of who the, what the character was all about. Um, it didn't, not a ton of zombie stuff, so I thought that was kind of cool. And, um, Kirkman even said that uh, they came up with this idea specifically for once comics were getting published again to help comic shops make money again because he wasn't planning on going back into that Walking Dead or uh, yeah the Walking Dead universe at all and then he decided I'm going to do this to help and this is a story I've been wanting to tell so he figured by releasing this people might start coming back into the shops to pick up this book that are fans of the walking dead. So, um, I highly recommend it. Um, there's three different covers. There's the gold cover. That was one per shop. There was a silver color cover, I believe. And that was two per shop. And then there was the red print cover, which was standard. So highly recommend it. Um, again, I'm not a huge walking dead fan, but that was, I thought it was really enjoyable. Awesome. So now we're going to move on to Ghostbusters Year One, number four. So, Ryan, why don't you give us a rundown about this book? <laughs> um, so with the year, Ghostbusters Year One, what it was is a reporter is doing uh, interviewing each of the Ghostbusters from to kind of get a perspective of how things went when they first started. And uh, with issue four, it is her interviewing Egon. And so you kind of get some behind-the-scenes look of what actually went into it and what happened uh, before they got called to the hotel to bust Slimer. Um, So... Uh, the reporter ends up going down to talk to Egon. Egon kind of forgets about it, uh, the interview, and he's by the containment unit, and she's calling him out on, well, you know, all these ghosts escaped. And he's like, well, it won't happen next time. And she kind of pointed out another flaw, and he's like, yeah, that won't happen next time either kind of deal. And it just jumps back to where Egon is figuring out how to capture Slimer because Slimer was put into the uh, containment unit, and then he had or, but it kind of backfired and he escaped and how Egon figured out how to catch him by himself. And um, I thought it was a really good story. Uh, They left it very leading into another story uh, because something happens 
And Peter walks in and she, he's like, what was that all about? And he goes, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. Leaving it very open for, uh, for the next part of this to be added into another series. But year one has been completed now. I think the covers are beautiful. Um, I know we've talked about the Ghostbuster books before. Burnham, Burnham understands these characters. He has the voice of them from the movie. Um, and when you're reading it, you just kind of picture those actors or you hear those voices of the actors saying it. It's an absolutely fantastic read. Um, and I like how they do with the Ghostbuster books with the typically short series of one through four issues, one through five issues. And it's not a continuous ongoing series. So you can kind of pick it up and read it wherever you want. So that's my thought on it. Awesome. Okay. Is there anything going on at the shop? Um, no, not right now. Um, just got done with the big sale that they had for a long time. I know the owners plan on running into some more sales throughout the summer. Uh, they haven't kind of calculated out when the next one's coming yet. Um, I know this weekend, uh, that local comic show we like to go to, um, they're actually hitting Kansas City and Des Moines this weekend. And so if you're in the Kansas City or Des Moines area, definitely go check those guys out. Um, that's where we always end up spending getting what 50 bucks for 20 50 bucks for 20 dollars or something like that yeah and uh, oh dominic dominic pace of the star wars universe from uh, mandalorian is going to be uh coming in this next monday from it's weird times like noon to four or something like that but uh and they are going to be practicing the social distancing thing and if you want a picture with them they'll have a cardboard cut out in the middle of between you and the actor and um, you know he'll sign stuff or whatever but he's not going to shake hands things like that just for keep everybody safe and healthy but uh, that's the big news all right awesome so you guys go uh, check it out meet somebody from the Mandalorian it'd be awesome yeah he played the character of Gecko apparently one of the bounty hunters okay so now it's time for everybody's favorite segment, the Random Reads. So I just got one this week. Um, it's a little old. Well, it's a couple weeks old. I picked up G.I. Joe Real American Hero number 271. Um, it's a Snake Hunt. And uh, I guess I got cover six of ten, I think. Is this the first part of that, Kirk? I'm trying to remember. I think so. Okay. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, so it starts off, and a couple of Joes are driving a balloon truck, and they get pulled over. And... Uh, the cop is like wants to search the vehicle and he opens up the back and there's two more Joes and they're like if we were bad guys we wouldn't have shot we would have shot you right and he's like good luck have a nice day 
Then you skip ahead, and Snake Eyes is being held prisoner, and he's trying to break out of a straitjacket, which, you know, Snake Eyes is Snake Eyes, so he'll be able to do it. And he does. And he's going over to the... uh, to the... uh, jail cell to unlock it. And then you skip ahead and Zartan and his dreadnoughts are going to save or try to break a Joe out of prison. So they're going to break Snake Eyes out of prison, which kind of threw me off a little bit because I haven't read up until this point. (laughs) I thought the dreadnoughts were bad guys. That Zartan feels like he own, owes something to Snake Eyes is what that's going on. Okay. So they're, that's kind of how they're playing it. Okay. And then you uh, skip ahead and the Joes are loading up on two buses and leaving one battalion behind to at the pit and the others are leaving. Um, they must be going to a new headquarters. Um, then Destro and Baroness are trying to decide if they can fully dis- can fully trust Zartan. Um, and Destro says it's better to trust Zartan than it is Cobra Commander. Skip ahead, and Dr. Mindbender and Cobra Commander are preparing to, um, looks like possibly brainwash Snake Eyes. The brain, brain scanner, yeah. Brain scan him, and Snake Eyes breaks out of his prison cell, and that's where it leaves off. Yeah, I looked that up trying to remember, and that's actually the sixth part of it, so that's why you're a little bit lost on it. Oh, uh, sixth part. It's not cover yeah. six. I'm, I'm six issues behind. That <laughs> no, makes sense. It has been a very good storyline. Uh, Cobra ca- captured Storm, or excuse me, Snake Eyes, and they're mounting a. They can't get approved. So when they got on the buses, they weren't approved to uh, go after them. They only asked for volunteers to do it off the books. And that was everybody getting on the buses to go save Snake Eyes. Gotcha. That, so, well, look at you. Uh, that is a fantastic read. Um, I think the next issue is supposed to be wrapping it up. One issue came out since then, but I think it's supposed to be wrapping it up. Yeah. Definitely be checking that out if you haven't read it. Sorry, not the, trying to steal uh, your thunder. It's just so good. Oh, no, the artwork is is beautiful. It's really well drawn. I didn't have an issue. It wasn't it wasn't hard to look at as I was reading the story. So no, no. Um, there was a guy that used to do it, S. L. Galante or something like that, and he did it like from the beginning of IDW to a certain point, and then they changed artists on it. And that was a little bit of a drastic change for me because you got used to seeing everything one way for so long. 
Uh, but now they have really adapt, started really liking the art from what he, the new artist is doing. Uh, obviously not the new artist any longer, but what he's been doing for a while now. And, um, you know, the one consistent with the GI Joe titles is you got Larry Hama doing, doing it still. Yeah. He wrote all the original GI Joe and American heroes, except for like three or four issues towards the end of it. Um, he, he is associated with the most GI Joe books. Um, and done a lot of different titles uh, for GI Joe. And he's, when you think GI Joe, you got to think him. And they actually created a character uh, tunnel rat based off of him. Okay. So um, his involvement is amazing. And just, yeah, that's an excellent book. I'm glad you got to read that. I'm glad you checked it out. And I have to go back and read the other five. Sit the whole thing actually. Yeah, so I'll be, I, be I on the lookout speak. for it. That whole series has just been unbelievably good. I mean, not every issue is fantastic, but every issue you at least know you're going to get something good out of it, and something's happening to progress the storyline a little bit further. And it's just, it's a beautiful book. Yeah. So that's all I had this week. All right. So, Nick, what do you got? All right, I got something weird. So <laughs> it's it's from DC from August 1976 called Starfire. And this isn't Coriander. This is a girl named Starfire who lives on a planet. Okay, it's crazy. Okay, so we've all seen Logan's Run where it's futuristic and they leave and they go to the outside world and they have to adapt to the outside world. This is the future with sorcery and science, kind of like um, uh, that cartoon when we were little kids. Um, he had the sun sword. He had the Ookla the Muck and Princess Ariel. I can't remember his name. Oh, well, who cares? Anybody on here? <laughs> can, you, can you put it in the messages? Tell me that I'm an idiot because I can't remember... The name of one of my favorite. Oh man! If I hear it, I'd probably go. Oh yeah, I remember that one. But I, I'm blanking on any of the stuff you just said. Thundar yeah, the Barbarian. Oh, Thundar. Okay. Thundar. Hannah Barbarian. Right. Okay. Yeah. So, so this is a story of a girl who's been enslaved all her life, and she's promised to the emperor when she grows up to become one of his wives. And the only reason why she's promised is because she's different. She's half Asian, half. Caucasian. So I must be on a theme here um, with half Caucasian, half Asian characters. So she gets rescued by a guy who's he's dressed. I don't know. I, it's It's got this weird 70s. What the 70s thinks the future would be if they mixed it with Dungeons and Dragons. So <laughs> so the, the cool thing is the story, right? Not, not the art, not what they look like, because she's ridiculous. She's got one arm covered, one arm not covered, one leg covered, one not covered. Her belly's out, and her, she has a boob window. Not really good for fighting. So, um, crazy. So, there's a, a war in the future, and 
we figure out that we can go into other dimensions and take warriors from that other dimension and bring them in here to fight for us. And the other side learns the same thing and they bring the villains or the, the antagonists of the aliens that we brought in. And those guys realize that humans are weak and they took over. They just said, screw the humans. We're going to join together. We're going to take over this planet and we're going to do whatever we want. And the, the the girl Starfire she escapes this thing and she goes into learn in about two weeks she becomes an expert fighter she becomes an expert swordsman she learns survival she learns that that uh what it's what it means to be free. And she tracks down, well, her husband gets killed somehow. I can't remember. And she goes and finds the guy that she was betrothed to and she kills him. So now she started this huge rebellion against the overlords. Eh, it's kind of cool if you like, you know, what they call swords and science, I guess. I like it. I never even saw this before. I saw, I got issued the last issue at that con that we go to for 25 cents. And I was like, Oh, okay. I'll probably never see this book again. And I found another one last Sunday. So yeah, yeah I, I kind of like it. So I'm probably going to try to go and find the other six, seven issues that I'm missing. I bet they're not more than a quarter. <laughs> You're probably right on that. Wow, cool. That's all I got. Okay. All right. I got two. So this one's a little bit older. It's called Epic. And this is from 2014. And I discovered this on a free comic book day. They published a free comic book day of this. I thought it was really cool, so I went out and tracked it down. And it's by Comic uh, Comics Tribe. And this is about a teenager who has superpowers. And he can, I mean, he's just got, think of Superman as a teenager. I mean, he just beats the crap out of everybody. Um, tries to be a good guy. However, his one weakness is pretty women. So if he sees a woman that he finds attractive, he loses all his powers. And he lives hmm. in Miami. So <laughs> um, it it's just him trying to deal with uh, being a teenager and handling the superpowers. And there's other superheroes around um, that he's trying to com kind of compete with. He wants to be the best superhero and uh, one of them actually just transferred into his class, and it's Super Cali or something like that. Uh, she transferred in from California, and he's got kind of a crush on her, but doesn't realize she's a superhero type deal. Um, and then some guy got bit by a spider, 
does not turn into Spider-Man, but turns uh-huh. into the bad guy known as Daddy Longlegs. Um, okay. It was only a three-issue run, but it was so enjoyable. Um, the art is absolutely beautiful. Um, I really wish they would have continued on with this. Uh, it did start off as a Kickstarter, um, and that's what turned into like the free comic book day issue. Um, if you ever have the opportunity to find this, definitely pick it up. It is just absolutely beautiful, fun book. Just great. All right. And the second one, um, I have really, really, really been trying not to do Green Lantern. I'm doing Green Lantern. (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) I got the 80th anniversary issues. When I say issues, it was all one book, but I got all 10 of them. And it has, let's see, 10 different stories in it. So you get your money's worth. Uh, I know you guys are kind of giving me a hard time last week saying, uh, what if you don't like it or whatever? The good news is I absolutely loved every single one of these stories. It was amazing. Um, so it was worth I mean, the $10. It was worth the $10 10 times, yes. Um, <laughs> and they have some great writers on this. So they got like, James Tyon, the fourth, and Gary Frank was an artist of uh, Alan Scott's story. Jeff Johns and Ivan Reese on the Hal Jordan story. Uh, Colin Bud, Bunn and Doug Mankey did a Sinestro story. Uh, Denny O'Neill did one before he passed away with Mike Grell. They brought back Ron Mars and Daryl Banks. Um, Charlotte McDuffie, um, that's Dwayne McDuffie's wife wrote a story about John Stewart. Vendetti did one. I And they did a great job of kind of focusing on every single one of the Earth Green Lanterns. So like the first story is uh, about Alan Scott and how he goes and visits a uh, woman and her son died on the train that he got the lantern from. And she's like, oh, you're Green Lantern. He's like, yeah. And she goes, live up to it. And he felt like he was reinforced and was able to go out. Just a great story. I think the story that I don't want to go into all of them. Um, they did make Hal look like a fool in one of the stories, but there's some fantastic pin pinups in here. But the one story that I absolutely thought that got me, I mean, it, and they got me, uh, was um, it's a Hal. John and Kyle are all older and they're sitting around in a cafe and they meet each year at the same time and the waitress knows who they are and they pour four drinks and they're joking about how guys always late and um, reminiscing about the good times and each of them share a little bit of a story where they dealt with evil star or something like that and how, Guy wasn't a complete moron. He was trying to protect his friends. So his power was going in and just letting him get the crap kicked out of him. So everybody else could do their job appropriately. And that's how he was kind of protecting them. And um, they finish up and guy never shows up. And uh, 
they go, we got to go visit Guy. And you find that Guy passed away. And so John, Hal, and Kyle are all holding up the finger, four fingers, four legs on a table, four walls in a house, uh, four seats in a Mustang GT, the four corpsmen for, forever. And it, it, I mean, just a fantastic telling of the story. Um, my only downside of that whole story was I thought Kyle looked a little bit goofy as far as the artwork went. But this is well worth the $10 if you even somewhat care about Green Lantern. Um, it was amazing. Definitely check it out. Awesome. Okay. <clears throat> so that's all you got? That's all I got. All right. We're going to move on to the list. <clears throat> this week it was top 10 M characters. I'll go first. Number 10, Morrow. Number 9, Mantis. Number 8, Malice. Number 7, Major Maple Leaf. Number 6, Mask. Number 5, Magma. Number 4, Mandarin. 3, Marvel Girl. 2, Magic. And 1, Magneto. Nice. All right, go now. Yeah, I'll go. Um, number nine, uh, 10, Mystique. 9, Magic. 8, Mr. Immortal. 7, Morbius. 6, Moon Dragon. 5, Madam Mask. 4, Meltdown or Boom Boom. 3, Mimic. 2, Moon Knight. And 1, Ms. Marvel. You always find ones that I forget. <laughs> That's what he's good at. All right. Uh, Ten, Mad Hatter. Nine, Martian Manhunter. Eight, Martha Kent. Seven, Major Force. Six, Martha. (laughs) Uh, Five, Mainframe from G.I. Joe. Four, Madman Jordan um, from... What what are those called? The, the the crossover between DC and Marvel the amalgams. The amalgams, Amalgam. yes. Um, three Modok, two Mystique, one Madam Xanadu. Nice, nice. Very different lists. Yay. <laughs> Yay! All Big right, a new toy. Yep. Do we have any news this week, guys? I saw something interesting. Marvel now owns Predator and Alien and Alien. That one I wasn't sure of, but I know they took over Predator. Poor Dark Horse. Lost two more franchises. Yeah, it's. I I don't know. It's if they believe in the believe in those two, I would love to see what they will do against some of the heroes. I mean, we've already seen it with DC. uh, You know, uh, Green Lantern versus aliens and. 
Superman versus Aliens and Predator and Batman versus Aliens and Predator and blah, 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 blah. Um, it'd be interesting to see what they do with some of those heroes against those characters, but I just hope they don't end up shelving them or um, give one writer a shot with them and basically say, forget them after, you know, a couple of efforts, kind of like they did with the Sentry. Bendis tried so hard to uh, get the Sentry back into an important role and nobody bought into it. Um, so hopefully Marvel actually does something quality with it. Maybe even avoid doing it with the superheroes and just kind of keeping it off in its own little realm. Um, you know, I don't know. Kind of like what they do with Star Wars where they're not crossing over with all the Marvel superheroes or anything like that. You know, do something on the side project with it. It'll be interesting to see what happens. But I'm really concerned about what Dark Horse... Um, What's hmm. left for Dark Horse? I mean, they've lost pretty much everything. <laughs> yep. Yep. Nick, you got anything? No. no I, I don't have, have anything. No. All right. Well, if that's all we got, I guess we'll sign off for the week. Um, if you like what you hear... Go to uh, your favorite podcast app, subscribe, leave us a comment, leave us a review. Um, so, yeah, have fun. Read more comics. It's been Kirk. Ryan. And Nick. We'll see you next week, guys. Bye, guys. Bye. Gorilla, Magilla, Gorilla for sale.